Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds. We're very excited to be able to talk with all of you today. Could you each please introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? I'm Rochelle Wilcox. I use she, her pronouns. I am a staff physician at University Health Service, um, which includes primary care, as well as um, I'm the uh, lead for our trans care team. Hi, I'm Susan Ernst, and I also use she, her pronouns. I am the chief of gynecology services at the University Health Service. I'm also the lead uh, of the campus sexual assault response team. And I direct a reproductive health clinic for adolescents and women with disabilities at Michigan Medicine. I'm Monique Steele. I'm a women's health nurse practitioner and I use she, her, and hers pronouns. I am uh, a member of our transgender team here at UHS. I am one of the SANE nurses at Michigan Medicine and I work here in gynecology and sexual health at University Health Service. Wonderful. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We're going to be talking about sexual assault as April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So I was wondering if we could just start right from the beginning and ask, why is this an important observance? So April is um, Sexual Health Awareness Month, and our goal is to increase awareness of the problem of sexual assault on campus. Um, as well as to explain resources available for survivors. Um, we also wanna talk about how sexual assault might be prevented, whether that's through education about healthy sexuality, consent or bystander intervention. So we also want to talk about the trans care that is available at U of M, resources that are offered and how this relates to sexual health and sexual assault awareness month. Can you share a little bit more information about that? We are a participant in the American Association of Universities or AAU survey from 2019 on sexual assault on college campuses. This is the largest survey ever done on sexual assault on college campuses and included surveys of over 180,000 students across our nation. This included 20 large public universities and 13 um, private institutions. And again, we were one of the large public universities that participated. This study included 1.7% of respondents, uh, so that's 1.7% of the 180,000 being trans, gender non-conforming, or gender queer um, students. And again, so this is the, one of the largest studies looking at that population. What they found was that female undergraduate students had the highest risk for sexual assault with about 26% experiencing unwanted sexual contact either through physical force or incapacitation since they entered college. But trans and genderqueer non-conforming students had a rate of almost 23% since entering college. And we thought this was really an important topic because many, many of our um, campus community don't understand the risk um, for our trans and genderqueer non-conforming students. 
Um, in this same survey, um, they found that those identifying as trans, uh, gender, queer, and non-conforming had a 14% incidence of rape um, or sexual penetration since enrolling in the university. And they also had high rates of intimate partner violence with 21.5% of undergraduates experiencing intimate partner violence in the transgender, queer, and non-conforming community um, compared to female undergraduates having about a 14% rate of intimate partner violence. So again, it's just a really important topic for our community to understand that um, there's risk to the general college population, but um, female undergraduate and transgender, queer, and non-conforming students have really some of the highest risks of sexual assault. Can you tell us a little bit about the campus sexual assault response team at UM? Yes, um, in 2015, University of Michigan um, participated in the very first AAU sexual assault survey on college campuses. And we also did our own campus climate survey. And we found again that there were high rates of sexual assault um, experienced by our students on campus. And so actually some student advocates um, part, um, approached Dr. Schlissel um, about improving services for students on campus post-assault. And so at that time in 2016, we partnered with the SANE nurses, that's sexual assault nurse examiner team um, from Michigan Medicine to bring these forensic exams or SANE exams to our campus, to our students. Um, once we started doing SANE exams on campus, we found that we really needed a better way to collaborate and connect with our campus partners who also um, provide post-assault care. And so I formed the Campus Sexual Assault Response Team with our other um, campus partners, including SAPAC, the Sexual Assault Prevention and Awareness Center, um, CAPS Counseling and Psychological Services, um, the Special Victims Unit from um, University of Michigan Police Department, as well as the SANE team um, from the Michigan Medicine Emergency Department and providers here at UHS who provide uh, post-assault care. And we meet every other month to discuss uh, patients um, that we've cared for post-assault and to review protocols and to improve our um, response and services. As part of the campus um, SART team, um, we've also tried to raise awareness about sexual assault and we've participated in multiple events as a group um, including the Purple Run on campus, which is sponsored by the UMPD to raise uh, funds and awareness for uh, sexual assault and safe house. We have done events for sexual assault awareness month, including um, a survivor artwork display using art uh, for healing um, post-assault. And we've also done educational events, um, things at education at a festival and during student orientation. So we um, work together to, again, improve sexual assault services for students on campus.
I'd love to learn more about the trans care team specifically. Dr. Wilcox, can you share a little bit about that team and the goals and the services that are offered? Yes, so the trans care team was started in 2017. There was a group of interested UHS providers who wanted to seek out additional training and topics related to LGBTQIA plus healthcare. And so we've gotten some feedback from the campus community that we had some room for improvement in this realm. And so we decided to do better. We landed on a specific short-term goal of starting um, to initiate hormones for people. And we began doing that in 2018. But as part of that process, we also reevaluated our built environment like signage and bathrooms. Um, we trained all staff, not just the clinical staff on providing affirming care to patients of all gender identities. And our ultimate goal was just to have UHS be a place where everyone could have a positive and affirming healthcare experience, whether that was for primary care or acute care or, um, or gender affirming care. And so the members of the trans care team at UHS now are providers who've had additional extensive training in gender affirming care and have shown a commitment to continuing to ongoing learning on topics that are really important. So right now we provide a full spectrum of gender affirming care options with the main exception being surgical interventions, which is not something that we do at UHS. Monique, can you explain a little bit about being a SANE practitioner and what that means? Yes, of course. A SANE is a sexual assault nurse examiner. Um, oftentimes, they're a registered nurse or a nurse practitioner who has completed specialized training um, to assist sexual assault victims or survivors, um, and they prefer to be called survivors. Um, we assess the patient or the survivor for acute medical needs um, and provide stabilization, care, treatment, and consultation. Ideally, we would perform a sexual assault forensic exam, um, often referred to as the kit. Um, and then we would, during collecting the kit, we would do the, a medical forensics exam we would gather information in a medical forensic history, collect and document um, forensic evidence and document pertinent physical findings um, from the patient. We would um, additionally offer the patient um, treatment for sexually transmitted infections or referrals if they were needed for any ongoing STI um, treatment or care that they would need. We would um, look for other non-acute medical concerns. Uh, we assess uh, for pregnancy and pregnancy risk, as well as discuss treatment options for the patient, including reproductive health services. And sometimes we are needed to testify in court if needed. We help to coordinate with the advocates to ensure that the patient is comfortable um, during the exam as well as after the exam and has the support that they need for advocacy. And we encourage that the patients follow up either with um, another medical provider, with their primary care provider, um, whoever they're most comfortable with. Um, we try to find them the services that they need. Other healthcare providers that might also be involved in the care when a SANE has been called upon um, might be the emergency medical technicians or um, hospital staff, if that's where they're seen. 
possibly a gynecologist or a surgeon based on the injuries that um, the survivor has had happen. They may, we may also have to call on to um, a health care interpreter if they're um, unable to, or we're unable to speak the same language that they, that they use. We may also be involved with campus services or military services to um, help with other um, advocacy or support for them. So there are a lot of resources and information that you all have shared so far. I was wondering if you could share the best way or ways to access these services that are offered at U of M. For the SANE services, the best way to access care if um, students want to come to the University Health Service is to call the appointment scheduling line. If they mention that they are seeking uh, post-assault services, they will initially speak with a nurse who will triage their needs and um, often involve a social worker who will help assess um, what happened and get that um, student or patient care. There's a whole variety of services that we offer for patients who've experienced sexual assault. And that could include just a visit with a regular practitioner who has experience with patients who've been assaulted. It could include a forensic exam with a SANE practitioner. It could include just testing if that's what the survivor needs. So we really try to um, tailor the, the services offered um, to what the, the survivor is seeking. So that is the best way to give us a phone call and then we'll try to arrange everything before they um, come in. We can also even have an advocate come over from SAPAC who can be here and give some counseling to the survivor as well. Rochelle, do you wanna talk about how they can access um, trans services? So the best way for um, someone to begin talking about initiating hormones, for example, would be just to schedule an appointment with one of the providers who initiates hormones on the trans care team. We've tried to make it very um, easy to access on our website as to who the members of the team who are able to do that. Um, if someone's in a place where they're not sure exactly what type of care they want or need, um, then we do have a social worker on our team who also can help just by having a phone call with them to talk through who might it make the most sense for them to meet with and uh, what that appointment should, should be like. And again, we've made that uh, hopefully very clear on our website as to how to do that. So why is it necessary to have teams that are focused on different aspects and areas of care? What kind of experience does this provide to those who need it? That's a really good question. And I think the reasoning behind it is because the survivors of sexual assault, as well as the transgender community, has shared with us in the past that seeking medical care is not always a safe environment for them. And by designating who is a safe provider for them to come and see and identifying them in specialized teams, it allows them, meaning the patient, to know that the person that they're seeing and that they're going to receive, that they have received specialized training to meet their needs. It can provide them with a level of confidence that the patient may need in order to know that the provider that they're going to see is going to be trauma informed in the case of like a sexual assault um, survivor, or even that we might be um, more culturally humble 
and aware um, with our transgender patients and be able to give them the care that they need. Some of the patients, this might be the difference between them seeking care and getting the care that they need or not even seeking care at all. So it's really important that they feel safe with the person that they come to. Something else that I think is really important to bring into this conversation is the stigma around you know, discussing sexual assault. How can community members help reduce that stigma around bringing it up, around discussing it, and around reporting sexual assault? Yeah, so we hope that conversations like these really help to reduce the stigma so that people understand the the incidence of sexual assault within our community, and that patients of any gender, students of any gender can experience sexual assault and sexual trauma. And um, so we also like to talk about not only the risk of sexual assault, but some of the sequelae of sexual assault, and that these survivors might present in a variety of ways. Um, patients who have been sexually assaulted often experience mental health issues after assault. They can experience depression, anxiety, um, substance use issues. They can experience PTSD. They can experience eating issues. They can experience academic challenges. And so it's really important for all of us on campus to understand the sequelae of uh, sexual assault on our uh, campus and to really um, support survivors to start by believing and then continue with trauma-informed support uh, of these students. We hope that having these discussions and addressing their needs with trauma-informed holistic approach that we can help reduce the stigma and um, improve care and support for students after sexual assault or violence. Dr. Wilcox, is there anything that you want to add specific to uh, the stigma around the trans community experiencing sexual assault and um, you know, the, the, the discussions there that are needed, but you know, maybe are not always had? I think that what Monique highlighted earlier is something that's really important to keep in mind is that if um, a healthcare space is not considered to be safe in a routine environment or for a routine concern, then in a, a much, much more um, difficult patient situation, then it's certainly not going to feel safe there. And sort of our task at UHS is to try to make each experience feel as safe and affirming as possible so that if somebody does need care and uh, in a, at a time like a post-assault, that they have more confidence that that's going to be the care that they will receive. How can individuals within our community be supportive of those who have experienced sexual assault? I think to start, like, Dr. Ernst said is we have to start from a place of believing our survivors and believing what's happened to them and then always using supportive language as we interact with them um, during that time and during the visit and all visits that they come in for. Um, we need to avoid um, any judgment or judging of their situation or what has happened to them. 
we should check in with our survivors and all our patients when we're caring for them and asking for permission to touch them or permission to go on or do they need a break and um, respecting them when they do need a break and not being holding ourselves to the timeline that we have and to understand that they may need extra time because it's a difficult reason why they're there and seeking care with you on that day. As providers, we need to remain calm and um, reassure ourselves as we're caring for them and give them our, and ourselves the space that we need in order to provide the great care that we can. Um, we need to educate ourselves um, on the resources as well as what it means to take care of somebody who has been assaulted or somebody who's seeking transgender care and what that should look like for them. We need to be aware of any red flags that may show up during a visit or an interaction with a patient um, that might um, alert us to the fact that our patient may have been assaulted. And then we need to pivot to um, being more aware and thinking about how we're going to, to discuss and bring up the possibility that they may have been assaulted or experienced a trauma or that they may need additional support from us. And we need to make sure that we are always maintaining the patient being in control when a red flag is brought up. So if we notice something that is concerning to us, we need to allow the patient to control their visit and their experience and allow them to make decisions where they can that would be safe for them. Is there anything else that anyone would like to share or add? So um, one of the things that we talked about recently in our campus sexual assault response team meeting was that we've experienced a lower number of students presenting post-assault during the COVID pandemic. And we have heard that students may be concerned about coming in for care post-assault because they may have been in a venue where they weren't supposed to be, um, you know, with the COVID restrictions and uh, limitations on going to larger parties, um, students may be worried about coming in and seeking care if they were at a party when an assault occurred. And we want students to know that um, they can come in and seek care and they're not going to get in trouble for not um, following COVID guidelines if they've been assaulted. It's similar to the medical amnesty that students experience if they're underage and they're drinking alcohol and they present post-assault and admit that they had been drinking alcohol. They're not going to get in trouble for having had alcohol um, when they're underage if they're presenting for medical care um, after a, an assault. So similarly, um, they're not going to get in trouble for not following COVID guidelines if they come in seeking care post-assault. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.